Eric Valentine is a busy drummer. Since moving to Los Angeles four years ago, he's been going non-stop. It all started with his first tour baptism with legendary singer Patti LaBelle. Today, he has racked up a solid resume of collaborations with artists such as Jeff Lorber, Dionne Warwick, Stevie Wonder, Erika Badu, Kirk Whalem, Jonathan Butler, and of course, Steve Lukather. To say that he's just a drummer is selling him short. He's a multi-dimensional musician. Take, for instance, his solo jazz project, Eric Valentine's Jazz Impressions. He plays bass guitar, keyboards, drums, and also produces. For those who have seen him play live, they'll tell you that Valentine is a drummer who adds his vibe to everything he hears. Take it from us, we've seen him play, and he can steal a show. Inside Music Cast welcomes an artist that has only begun what looks to be a huge career, Eric Valentine. Hey, Eric, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, brother. Wonderful. Hey, hey, Eric, I want to first, uh, let's start off by saying that, you know, uh, in, uh, when me and uh, Rick were uh, looking at uh, getting you on the show, one thing we could say definitely is that you're one of the most entertaining drummers that there is around. And no matter who's up front, some way, somehow, people always end up watching you, man, because it's uh, you've got a reputation definitely right now that delivers to the audience, man. <laughs> oh, well, that's cool, man. I just, you know, I think that people should have a little more than just you know, watching a band just sit there uh-huh. and be into themselves and uh, and play, it should be a connection with the audience. I mean, you can listen to a CD at home. You should be entertained when you go and see a show. Yeah, that's cool. Kind of off the subject here a little bit, but uh, we're talking before the interview started about Steve Weingarten. You know, he, he just told us recently that they shut down the Lavalier in L.A. Is that true? Yeah, man. Um, unfortunately, another spot for great music is gone. Oh, and, man. Jeez. Um, yeah, and Lavalier's gone. It's it's a whole other hangover there now. It's, I didn't even see uh, music going on in, in the spot where it oh. was going on there now. Yeah, so it's oh, kind of goodness, unfortunate. That's too bad because, you know, you used to play there a lot with uh, Steve and even Carlitos Del Puerto, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was always a cool hang, and, you know, it's always great to, you know, be in that kind of setting with great musicians and just have a good time, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. well, that, that's too bad. I don't want to get the show started off on a sad note, but that is pretty sad because that, that I'm place... I'm tearing up, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that place, I mean, you're right, though. That was that was one of the places, uh, one of the go-to places for for musicians. I mean, that's where a lot of people just got together and jammed, and, and it was yeah. it was just a great place. Exactly. Yeah, well, and the thing about it for me was, you know, when I moved out here, which it, I'm just glad that I was able to say, you know, that I played there, yeah. um, because I'm, mm-hmm. I met uh, Joey here, Radio Man, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe 10 years ago on a smooth jazz gig, uh-huh. and I remember he was so, you know, cool and kind to me, and he gave me a CD of his band mm-hmm. uh, with Marco, yeah. and, I, and, uh, and it was cool because on the cover of the CD is Lava Lee. Oh yeah, so okay. That, you know, and it was always that was always <laughs> something that I looked forward to when I moved when I finally moved out to LA. It was like you know I really want to experience that place. So yeah, exactly, you know, right? Yeah. So, so you know, let's, let's talk about it real quickly while we're on, we're touching on it. You know, you Carlitos and and and, uh, and Steve. You know, you you guys are one of the hottest rhythm sections that are around. And and tell us real quickly how how did you first hook up with Steve and Carlitos? How did that happen? Well, you know, I met. Steve, a few years back, we were doing a, 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 a smooth jazz gig uh, with this guy, Warren Hill, uh-huh. and oh, right, we right. just kind of connected, you know, because of our level of, uh, you know, our desire for perfection, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, we just hit it off well, you know, you know, musically first, and then the hang was cool, and I remember we were on a on a flight coming back from a gig and we started, we just happened to sit beside each other. We would start to talk of music and yeah. we used the same uh, music programs and things of that sort. And before you knew it, you know, we would just, it was just a hang and we started talking a lot and we got on, you know, gigs together and, you know, Steve asked, asked me to uh, be a part of Luke's band. I was like, man, I'm honored. Yeah, really? Exactly. Yeah, so it was just really great, man, you know, to mm-hmm. play with a legend. I mean, a legend and for me, seeing Steve, you know, I used to watch videos, man, with him, of course, you know, I'm a drummer, so I watched Weckl videos and all yeah. that stuff, and with right, Steve right. on it, I'm like, wow, look at these guys, and I'm like playing with them, so yeah, it's just, you know, it was an honor, man, and then with Carlitos, I actually met Carlitos on, on a gig playing with Steve, wow. you know, and we and we hit it off really well, you know, um, musically, and, and you know, it, what's really important, what a lot of guys don't understand nowadays is that, okay, you can be a killer musician, you can be a YouTube all-star, yeah. but, you know, you got to be able to communicate with people and people feel comfortable around you as well. 
Yeah. And, you know, when you bring up Carlitos, you know, and his musical experience behind him, and uh, somebody, you know, if our audience, uh, if you don't know who Carlitos del Puerto, feel free to listen to our previous, one of our previous interviews with uh, right. Carlitos a few interviews back. But he comes from probably one of the most formal educations in, in straight up, uh, you know, trad jazz, you know. Oh and, yeah, man. You know, and yeah, then, he's no joke. <laughs> no, no, he's he's the real thing, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and then you get Steve, that's really immersed into the jazz part. You know, how deep did you, uh, you know, hanging with these guys? You know, how deep do you go in your background of jazz and that type of thing with these? You know, how do you compare? Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, definitely not as deep as those guys, man. You know, because I really I started late in um, in just doing being serious about music. It was always a part of my life, right? But, you know, accepting the gift and saying, okay, this is what I'm here to do. God put me here to, to, to do mm-hmm. this and to share with people. And mm-hmm. and so I started late, man. So I did get, you know, into music and I went to school and all that. But, man, definitely not as, uh, especially as Weingart and, and Carlitos, man. Yeah, you know, cool. and it's so funny. I mean, it, it, I, I can remember at first working with the guys. I was just like, okay, ooh, these guys are serious. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Right. Yeah. So. Well, speaking of education, and just you grew up in such a musically oriented family. Uh, your parents, Herbert and Lily, you know, like, like so many of of the amazing musicians that we've interviewed here on Inside Music Cast, you essentially received your musical baptism in church. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> give, sure. give, well, give sure. us an idea. Give us an idea about your musical experiences with your family <clears throat> and, and church, and in yeah. looking back, how that shaped your musical career. Man, well, you know, I you know, I grew up in this church, Enon Baptist Church, man, in D.C., and my parents were um, a part, are, are still a part of the ministry there. And so what happened was, you know, my dad, you know, comes from a musical family, and my mom, and I can remember, you know, we had a, a we had a family gospel group, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Right, right. you know, I, so it was a lot of practice and a lot of training at home. And, uh, you know, and I participated in the choirs and things of that sort, you know, and grew up in, you know, Playing, playing a you know, playing some drums in you know in church. Actually, I didn't play a lot of drums in church. I played actually more bass than I did drumming. Really interesting. That's yeah, cool. so I did a lot of bass playing. You know, um, because in the beginning I didn't have a drum set, so I used to grab you know it was a bass in the house, and I would grab that and listen to the radio, and that's how I first really got into you know seriously pursuing music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so, th- so but that's definitely you know a heavy. Uh, 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 influence in in my musicality because the thing about it, church, you know, there's no sh- at least when I was growing up, sheet music was like you know and things of that sort. You just had to learn it, however you had to learn it, right. and memorize it, and come in here and play it right. You oh know? yeah, oh that that's definitely true. I was raised up in church and I played piano all you know the Sundays and that type of thing. And you're right, you know, sometimes you don't. There's no, sheet music is a luxury, you know. Right. <laughs> so it's just like you know when somebody you know lady in church says you know I got a special song for the Lord and she comes up she starts singing you have to you have to find the note you know (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly what happens you know (laughs) so but you you picked up drumsticks at the age of five and I I, you know I guess you never really put them back down and as a kid how often were you playing and how did you balance your life with other responsibilities like school and and doing all the normal kid Mm -hmm. stuff well you know the drums wasn't really in the in the forefront of of our life at that time Uh uh-huh you know, so I, you know, I would have drumsticks, but you know, th- there was a period where, you know, I didn't, I didn't have drums. I didn't have anything but maybe some buckets to beat on. Right, right. You know, and uh, you know, or maybe you know, late later, I think I was around maybe seventeen, eighteen. That's when I started, uh, uh, you know, being able. We had a you know drum set in our church because the church at the time was pretty traditional. We didn't have drums in the church. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that actually, that was another reason why I played bass. It just wasn't available gotcha. to me. Okay. You All right. know. And so what happened was, you know, you know, during the period, I think, in, you know, maybe in, like in high school here and there, you know, I started, you know, playing drums a little more and, and you know, got in a marching band and things of that sort. So um, that's kind of where it really got serious, mm-hmm. man. I mean, I was in college and I was a psychology major, uh-huh. you know, but I was always in the music department. So I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> something's wrong here. That's like, <laughs> you know, that, that psychology background will give you a little help on this tour with Luke, though. That. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, man. That's funny. <laughs> I like that. that is for sure, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's really when I got serious, you know, um, in school, and you know, and and you know, God bless my parents. I mean, but they just couldn't afford to put me in college. Yeah. 
And so the way that I got in school was, I, I can remember, I was in a marching band, and, and this, I went to uh, graduate from the school, the University District of, of Columbia, okay. and the guy was, you know, say, hey, play a paradiddle for me, play this for me. And I could barely do it, but he's, I guess, you know, the guy was James Parker, a good friend of mine now, uh-huh. and it was like, I guess he saw the potential in me, right? you know, and he took me in, he said, look, if you learn this, if you learn this, if you can learn this, then we can give you a scholarship and you can be in a marching band. So, dude, you know, <laughs> around the clock, I learned yeah. what a paradiddle was, a double star yeah. world, whatever. <laughs> you yeah. know, and that's kind of what cultivated me as, as, you know, as a drummer. Then I started getting videos and then I started getting, you know, you know, you know, getting, it wasn't, the YouTube thing wasn't as heavy as it is now. So it was like you had to go buy a video if you wanted right. to get some information. Right. <laughs> the Starlix you know, videos. Or, or listen to CDs <laughs> and stuff like that. So yeah. that's kind of how it came about for me. Yeah, you know, you mentioned paradiddles and, and just, I was thinking about rudiments and, and, you know, there's a lot of people that listen to our podcast that are buddy musicians and are, are you know, actually musicians that are uh, pretty well well versed in their in their, uh, in their instrument. But tell me a little bit about just, just those rudiments, thinking about the basics. Do you still work on those? Do you still practice that when you're practicing? Are you still going through those twenty? What are there? Twenty six rudiments? Uh, I'd love to say yeah, but no. Yeah. (laughs) You know, man. You know, I don't. I don't practice as much as I used to. There was a Uh period, you know, where especially because I felt like I was so behind, you know, other guys my age that I was really trying to cram a lot of information in. And so I got, you know, I call it like the mechanics of, of music. Like as far as signal to drum set and playing fast rolls and things of that sort, right. I could do that. But the musicality hadn't arrived, uh-huh. mm-hmm. you know. So that's more important to me than, than you know, than sitting and shedding as much nowadays, you know, because only because there's so much going on, so much work going on, man, right. that I can't really practice. But I still do. I go, you know, things that are important to me now is keeping my endurance up, keeping my body yeah. in shape. So I go to the gym on a regular basis trying to watch my diet, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, and I have a few rudiments here and there on, you know, on the kid, you know, but my, what's important to me now is just how do I feel, mm-hmm. you know, when an artist, you know, wants me to play, it's right. like, you know, am I playing the groove right? Does it sit right? You know, not, not necessarily, you know, mm-hmm. did I fit mm-hmm. that paradiddle in <laughs> Yeah, I just wondered if you did that to keep your chops up or, you know, or, or how, what your, you know, just basically what your practice routines were. Yeah, you know, I mean, I grab, you know, I'll grab sticks, you know, and and practice. I still do a pillow or practice pad, uh-huh. but I do more listening than anything. You know, the muscle memory is there, and it's more important to me just gathering inf- information. Like for example, when I learn, generally, when I have to learn music for an artist that I'm working with, I hardly ever, I don't, I don't sit behind the kit and practice along with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. more of a mental thing. I, you know, I, you know, I love to get. I always request charts. Because I love to see the music and see what's going on, right. and it's more a, a mental thing for me now nowadays. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hey, listen, I have a question. Uh, you know, when you were in, you know, in your college, and and uh, what during that season, what, what what's influencing you then? What kind of music are you listening to that's uh, that's that's molding you? Who were who were your uh, your idols there? Well, um, back then, I can remember. The situation that got me saying, okay, this is what I want to do. This is, I believe this is why I'm here. God put me here to do this. Mm-hmm. Was I saw a guy, Chris Dave, uh, a drummer, and he, he's, I don't know if he still lives in Houston, Texas, but I mean, everybody knows about Chris. He's a phenomenal drummer. Uh-huh. But I saw him, he was playing with Howard University. And when I just, something about when he played in his command of the instrument, it heavily influenced me. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, at that time he wasn't on a lot of recordings, but I have to say he was one of the first guys that uh, that I got to listening to. And after that, I started getting educated, you know, because I, I was playing in a, in a in a big band okay. at school. Right. So the good thing about playing in big band was, you know, it 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 shows you how to play with an ensemble and to set them up. Right. You know, being the anchor. Right. So that was a great experience. But, you know, I listened to, man, a lot of different guys. I can remember listening to a lot of um, Billy Cobham back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, and if, of course, from Billy Cobham to Dennis Chambers, those were the, the two that I listened to the most. I remember listening to uh, Max Roach a little bit, all all of the traditional jazz guys. You know, I put my ears Jack Dijonette, Um, you know, of course, Vinny and Dave Weckl. Sure, sure. You know, um, 
anybody that was playing drums, man, and was making a career out of it, mm-hmm. I put my ears on it. I tried right. not to discriminate. You know, I remember back in the day there was a thing where guys were like, man, you know, is this, you know, well, they still do it now, but, you know, like, is Dennis better than, 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 than Welker? Is Dennis better than this guy? Is that <laughs> right. guy better than that guy? <laughs> Everybody has something unique to say. Yeah, right. You know, and so I just learned to appreciate that their voca- their different vocabularies, and this is one. This you know, for example, like welcome may have something that I really do. It might have been something like some triplets or something like that, sure. or phrasing. I said, okay, that's cool. Let mm-hmm. let me get into that. Then this thing about singles and cross sticking and his groove. Yeah, you know. So it just, you know that's that's kind of how I how I got my ears on a lot of different guys, and I still listen. I, I'm always putting my ears on to see what's going on with. Guys, you know, back in the day and, you know, and nowadays, I'm, you know, there were some guys in D.C. who were just incredible. Their pocket was incredible. Yeah. You know, and um, and I, this guy, Jay Williams, and he's a good friend of mine now. I mean, his pocket was just so incredible because when I first got my drumming thing together, it was just chops all all over. <laughs> no groove, no pulse. And right. when I say groove, I'm not only saying like funk. I'm saying if I was swinging, just sure. the feel wasn't yeah. there, you know. Right. Exactly. And so uh, it was it was it was important to just put my ears on a lot of different things. I would suggest that I do suggest that to you know all the you know up and coming drummers and younger drummers that you know don't discriminate. Put your ears on as many different things as you can. Yeah, that's a good. It's great advice, and you know a lot of a lot of some other drummers we've talked to. Uh, one of the things they mention even more than just you know how you hit the instrument is is how you use the space in between the hit. And, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting. I can't remember who it was, but I thought mm-hmm. that was a really interesting thought. And you know, I think it might have been in reference to a conversation we had with Jeff Percaro and how he used space in between mm-hmm. the notes. And, and it's it's true, you know how how you use the space. I totally I totally agree, and you know. I can remember, you know, like for example, Jeff. Jeff is a is a perfect example because I remember just seeing all the records having Jeff Percaro's name on it. Oh yeah, yeah, true. And, you know, and guys didn't know that, you know, they, he, this guy has chops, but his groove was just so strong. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. And I and I, re, you know, I really got into an appreciation for listening to him, and once again because this guy was on records, and he, and he was making a career out of doing this. Man, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of guys are. It, it it just it it takes a lot of discipline and and to be humble to be able to uh, to do this for a living. Right, <laughs> right, right. So you grew up in D.C. and uh, you obviously went to college there. But what was it that brought you out to L.A. eventually? Was it was it the love for music and to try to get into the scene? Is that is that why you uh, headed out to L.A.? Well, you know, it was I was already I was already on the scene when I was in D.C. I was playing with I had already played with a lot of national, international artists uh-huh. prior to moving to L.A. But what I needed was, I believed that there was more for me okay. than D.C. could give me. Nothing to get, and I love, I love all of my friends in D.C., but it was just, it just, it was, I wanted more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and uh, I felt that I needed to go there and, and see what could happen. You know, I wanted to operate at a certain level on a regular basis as well. You know, I just wanted to be, I always pushed myself to be operating on a hundred percent, sure. You yeah. know, yeah. So that was the, more so the kind of things that I wanted to come to LA for, you know. And then I, you know, I write and produce as well, and you know, I, it just kind of made sense to, to make that move. Yeah, you know, you like we said a little earlier. You know, we already stated that you connect really big time with with audiences, and that uh, it's not about performance; it's more than that. But a few several months back, when you came uh, through Indianapolis uh, with Luke, uh, me and Rick, uh, we we saw the part of the the show um, of your solo, of course, and, and and you did this thing called "Look Like a Running Man." <laughs> we were just talking about that a little earlier for our folks, uh, uh, you know, who are listening. Explain what Running Man is. You got to tell them about this. <laughs> well, you know, it's this look that I do on the drums, man, and basically it looks like I'm running. Yeah. You know, it looks yeah. like I'm I'm running from somebody, something. Yeah. <laughs> Bill collectors, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, man, you know, just, just running. And um, I came about that, you know, vi- I used to videotape myself practicing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I did it for the reason not to put it up on YouTube, but so that I could look at myself and see how I, you know, my posture, you know, and then you sometimes, you know, I would have moments in my practice sessions where I would just throw out ideas mm-hmm. and just play 
and mm-hmm. see what happens. Don't think about it, just do it. And I, you know, I would journal that and then record that. And one day I kind of did. I said, wait a minute, we got something going on here. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of how the, the Running Man came about, yeah. you know. Yeah. But the key for me was, you know, you know, when I do it in the solo, it's not necessarily always, you know, playing, you know, uh, playing to a figure or playing playing with with a band but i like yeah. i really like doing it when it, there's music going on in time because it's a cool lick right. to see yeah it is but, it, but you know but it's even better when like there's time there's music going on and <laughs> it, whoa he's staying in time and doing this, this <laughs> I, weird thing i gotta so. t- i gotta tell you though around that you make me nervous when you're, you're twirling those sticks so you've got oh that down I, i'm afraid one's Jeez. just gonna f- helicopter out of your hand and <laughs> No man, poke somebody in the eye. Man, you're, you've you've got that master. <laughs> oh, man, I did a lot. I tell you, man, I did a lot of practicing to make sure that that would not happen. <laughs> Has it ever happened? Oh wow! You know, maybe once. I, I kind of remember being totally like like scared when I when I used to play with Patty Labelle back in the day, and I think I did a tour once, and the stick flew out of my hand. <laughs> And it got really close to hit there, man. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's, that's the only time I can remember dropping a stick, yeah. you know, um, twirling. But I, I kind of, I try to stay really focused when yeah. I do that because I don't want to hurt somebody. Well, I think on your website there's a video clip of uh, that you have up there. I think it's from probably... Uh, Probably one of your shows with Luke, I, I'm imagining, and uh, it, it shows uh, you doing the Running Man and the Twirl. So, <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and what's your website again? What's the address? Uh, my website is uh, www.ericvalentine.net. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, listen, we've com- we've compiled a short list, um, Eric, of some amazing artists, and some that you've mentioned already, but uh, that you've played with uh, throughout your career. And we're going to throw these names out and just uh, give us a little brief idea of how you connected with them, each musician, and maybe a little bit of your experiences with them, okay? So okay. the first one is Chris Bodie. Tell us a little bit about that that relationship. Okay, well, yeah, we did a few uh, shows back in the day. I was working with an artist, uh, uh, Jonathan Butler. Oh, right, right. And, yeah, and so we, you know, we were working together, and so we had a we had a run where Chris was doing some shows with us, man, and uh, he was really cool. And what the thing that you know that that I really appreciated was his, his attention to detail. Oh, yeah. You know, and 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 he was a you know really cool guy and real nice, you know, and. Uh, it was, you know, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty nice. The thing about with a lot of these artists, man, sometimes we don't get the pleasure to really interact with them yeah. off stage. Sometimes they're coming from something like coming fresh off a plane and walking straight to stage. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. No. Right. You're right. But Chris, you know, he was he was really cool. You know, that was a, yeah a little while back, but he was really cool, and I'm really happy, man. He's got a lot of success going on now. Hey, he's super talented. And then there's this, this other uh, somewhat, uh, I, I guess people know this name. His well, name's Stevie bit. Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You know, he was really cool. That was a, that was we did a uh, we did a run with him, um, and, it, I, and this is what I was saying. Where it was, I was working with a lot of artists out of D.C. I was still in D.C. Where, and I was I had the pleasure to do. Wow. We did a run of shows with him um, in D.C. Man, and he was really polite and. Um, you know, really cool, and I, I can just remember being totally nervous, man, because, <laughs> I, and the reason I was nervous was because, I, I was just thinking, because, you know, he is blind, that his sensibility to timing mm-hmm. and feel is higher than, oh, yeah. because, you know, you know, and so I was really <laughs> nervous, man, mm-hmm. but he didn't complain, <laughs> so I guess I made it. <laughs> yeah. Someone that you've toured with, of course, the lovely uh, Patty LaBelle. Yeah, man, well, you know, Patty, man, I, you know, I, I have to admit, when before I worked with her, mm-hmm. I wasn't a big fan. You know, mm-hmm. I you know I, I had respect for what she was doing, but man, when I got to you know really work with her and see, you know, her push and her you know her level you know of uh, of um, commitment every night when she would perform, and I mean I would see her sometimes go on stage and be really tired, really out of it, and get out there, man, and mm-hmm. and just knock it out the park. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, much respect to her, man. I learned a whole lot working with her and mm-hmm. working with the band. Um, the music director at the time, um, Bud, man, he he was, uh, man, he was, he, I learned a lot, man, about music working with her. I had, you know, I I, I had a lot of, um, you know, the, the treats as far as, the, you know, the showmanship and all that, but I really learned about playing music. And I would suggest, uh, you know, just, 
musicians as much as possible, you know, try to be playing with, you know, either, you know, uh, a vocalist or somebody that you can have some kind of, you know, connection with. Not only just work playing with rhythm sections, because a lot of guys just yeah. get together and jam. Right. But it's a different kind of thing when you got a vocalist and just little nuances, how they communicate to their band and don't even say a word. Right. You know, how they want a song to feel. You know, it's a little fast and they might move their shoulders a certain way and, you know, just a lot sure, of inside sure. things, man. But I learned a, a lot, a lot from uh, working with them. Yeah, you you, were, you just mentioned a couple of things that are really interesting. Is that uh, just the nuances of playing, for instance, instrumental jazz music and moving to the music as opposed to uh, following a, a, a vocalist, where you really have the responsibility of supporting them and not over overdoing it. But uh, I mean, when you're when you're playing for Patti Labelle, I mean, you're always looking at her. Is to explain a little bit about the experience there because you're you're following sound in her vocals. You know, how does that affect the the whole drumming scene? You know, well, for, with Patti, you know, she you know her music director basically was the go to guy. Yeah, and so you know, you you as long as you watch him, you yeah. couldn't go wrong. Right, right. But but for the drumming thing, you know, sometimes I, of course I have to split the difference. Because sometimes they wouldn't agree. Right. And so go with the artist when all else fails. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You, you you follow the singer, right, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> She's signing the checks. So. <laughs> but no, man, so uh, there, I can remember there being a challenge until I learned how to split the difference, man. I mean, you know, it was a, it was a very challenging gig for me, I have mm -hmm. to admit. You know, you, you listen to the songs and say, okay, it's pretty straightforward. But there was a lot of, just, like I said, you know, just nuances and, and, and uh, being ready for anything. Yeah, right. You know, that's what I learned most from you right. know, working with her. And the last name I want to throw out is uh, someone who recently left us, and that's uh, Wayman Tisdale. Oh, man, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, man, I, 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 I took that pr pretty hard, man. Yeah. Um, Wayman... You know, not 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 only being you know, of course, uh, being a great musician, but he was a great guy. Yeah, and he was always a pleasure to be around. Man, he always made people smile around him. Mm -hmm. You know, and he just had a, such a, a a giving spirit that was cool about him. And the thing about Wayne, man, um, I can remember listening to music. You know, his tunes back in the day, and uh, when I first started, like kind of getting into drumming and, you know, I said, okay, I got chops, I got to get pocket. I used to practice along to, to Wayman's recordings and, you know, I was playing a lot of bass, so, and I just kind of enjoyed how, uh, you know, how he, how he expressed himself. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just, I got a lot of information, man, he, you know, from Wayman. And so to, to do all of this and then work with him and then beyond just work, but just to hang out and get to know him, get to know his family, you know what I mean? Um, you know, he definitely will will be missed, man, for yeah. sure. For yeah, sure. I, we, Eddie and I are here in Indianapolis, and uh, we used to watch him back in the 80s when he played for the Indiana Pacers. Exactly. Oh, right, right. He played for three teams, but he started here in Indianapolis right. with the Pacers, and exactly. he was a great basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. If a lot, oh, yeah, for sure. A lot of for people, sure. you know, a yeah. lot of people who know him, you know, in the last 10 or 12 or, you know, even 15 years that know him as a musician, I, a lot of people don't even realize that he played in the NBA. Oh, well, exactly. Oh, yeah. And he was, you know, and I, you know, I knew that. But, then, you know, I remember during a time when, you know, when he had, when the news had gotten out that he had passed, I remember they were showing some clips of him. And I was like, man, this dude was serious. Oh, he, he was. was. Like, really good at all, you know? He was good. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> hey, let's get a little technical right now. We'd like to talk a bit about uh, your drum rig. And so when you go to sessions or whatever, you know, how do you, you take in a standard set? Uh, what what do you take with you? Do you over-prepare, compensate? Uh, how do you, uh, what do you take with you, man? How do you set up? Well, you know, it depends on, you know, it depends on what this, you know, what the session is. Right. Um, with a lot of the smooth jazz stuff, that I've that I've recorded, mm -hmm. um, you know, the anchor for me is is the snare drum. So I try to have you know a good assortment of snares available. Everything else kind of stays the same. You know, I usually do like a, no more than a like a, a five piece kit, two racks, and a, and a floor. Yeah. Okay. You know, and sometimes not even that because it, with that with that music, it's all about feel and and you know making it feel good, not necessarily mm -hmm. about you know. The, the uh, what kind of feel I can do sure. as far as the drum feel, you know. Right. So with that kind of stuff, you know, it it, it just varies. You know, um, 
I try to have more than enough. I bring a lot of symbols. Yeah. Um, you know, different assortment of symbols. I, of course, I have my favorites. I always put my favorites up first. <laughs> if I don't hear complaints, yeah. Yeah. we roll with it. <laughs> you know, but sometimes the producer, you know, wants to hear something, you know, um, different. And so you want to have that, that available to them. Sure. But I've, I've been, you know, I guess, I, you know, I've been lucky enough to, to kind of know what the song needs. You know, People generally, when they call me, and this is what I, another thing that I'm just blessed for is that usually when people call Eric, they want Eric for what Eric does. Right. right. You know, and that was that is something that I, that I strive to do is that when somebody calls me, they don't call me because they need a drummer. They call me because they want Eric for what Eric does, and mm-hmm. Eric will bring a certain thing to their situation. Exactly. You know, sonic, sonically, and, and once again, going back to the hang your personality, you know, all of those things. I think, you know, I just kind of present it as a package, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, for most cases, I haven't had complaints about drums, but, you know, um, generally it's, uh, like I said, generally it's a five-piece kit is, is, is enough. Now, um, you know, on some other recordings where we really dig in and we're doing some serious plan, I'll bring more toms mm-hmm. and I'll play them. I <laughs> follow <laughs> <laughs> you. You know, but it, it, it varies. But you know, I usually I'm a, I usually I'm a hot drums, uh-huh. you know, and they and they've been great. They've been good to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I don't. Want, some guys use one particular wood. I don't do that. Dep- you know, it depends on what kind of music I'm playing. If I'm playing, I seem to to enjoy maple drums when I'm doing like traditional jazz stuff. I, I like that. Yeah, but I, I. But other than that, I usually do birch because I like I like a warmer, punchier mm-hmm. sound, especially if I'm lay, like laying down some groove stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. Do you have your own studio for tracking, uh, you know, doing tracking? Do you have, a, like, an in-home studio? Oh, yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, for sure, so. yeah. I have, I, you know, I have a situation at home, man, to do, you know, to do tracks. I mean, nowadays you got to have that. Right. You know, right. Uh, I mean, you know, the day of going to the big studio is, that's not what's happening. Hey, come over to my house. I got some steaks on the grill. Let's cut, let's cut a record. Right. That's the thing now, you know. Right. Well, so, that was actually yeah. leading into my next question, you know, when it comes to laying down tracks for session. You know, I was going to ask you to give me an idea as to how much time you spend in an outside studio as opposed to just tracking in your own room. Wow. Um, Are you still going out to the studios often? Uh, yeah, I still do go to studios. But, I mean, uh-huh. but the, the studios, I mean, they're home studios, but yeah, you yeah. know. Okay. I still do do that. I still go, you know, to home studios a good bit. Um, but I track at home and I, I try to encourage people, you know, to do that, you know, um, to, you know, just, you know, send the stuff to me and then I can comfortably cut it and, and do the detail work, do the editing and everything. And, and, and generally when I do those kind of sessions, I, I, you know, we send them back, you know, via, you know, the internet. Right. It's incredible, man. I mean, I, I, I remember doing a session and, and a guy was one place in the country and we're doing video chat. And and we're cutting. I'm like, I can right. remember a time I didn't think that would happen. You know, you could do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had a we've had a couple of interesting conversations with Lee Sklar before, and he, you know, he comes from obviously a, a time when uh, when going to the studio was the only thing you did. You know, there was there was right. there was no cutting at home. You went to a studio. You had a world class engineer. You were with all the musicians were there in the room, and and uh, you know, he says now he's just taking his bass over to someone's house and plugging in, laying down a few tracks, and he's gone. And yeah. he, he really misses the days of, of getting back. You know, he I think he just did a, a Rod Stewart session last right. year, and he was Thanks. talking about how, um, you know, it was just great to get back into the studio with uh, with, with Russ Kunkel and, and some of these other guys and, you know, some yeah. of these musicians that he'd work with and just having everybody there and, and being able to feel each other out and, and, you know, lay down some tracks that way. I mean, what do you prefer? Do you prefer just to do it your, by yourself comfortably in, in your tracking room or – is it? I don't know. Do you have a better feel when you get into the room with a bunch of other musicians? Uh, man, you know, it, it. To be honest, it doesn't matter. I I enjoy them for both for what they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I of course I love going into the big studio or you know, and and cutting a record. You know, either with the rhythm section or um, just me. You know, uh, cutting by myself. But home is all right too, man. You know, I mean. Um, I worked with this uh, guy, Chris Standring, and we did his last record um, out of my house as far as the tracks that I played on me and the bass player cut together at home, uh-huh. you know? 
And so you know, they're, they're equally cool. I'm just happy to be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about your uh, your solo release back in '03. It's uh, you know Eric Valentine's jazz impressions, and and uh, it's um, you know it's an interesting mix of of, of jazz, funk, R and B, and and what led you? What was your motivation for this uh, this project uh, a few years ago? And and tell me, I think uh, you're working on a couple new projects right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, so the man. 2003. Wow, it's been a bit. <laughs> <laughs> time goes fast here, Eric. <laughs> yeah, it's time for the new stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, man. I, well, that record came about um, at the time I was working. I had done a record for this company named Sedexo, and they have these cafes. They are a catering company, mm-hmm. and they're linked to like all the major hotels and all that stuff. So, like when you, you know, when you would go to uh, college campuses and they, you see their cafes and stuff like that they sponsored those cafes. So they had music that they needed to be playing in there. Very cool. And, uh, yeah, and so what happened was the first record I did, maybe maybe three or four songs, they used different producers, but they really liked, um, you know, my, my music and asked me to do a record. Very and, cool. And the thing, so the nature of that record was that they wanted to not only be just traditional jazz or just smooth jazz, but just a lot of different, interpretations of, you know, of, of jazz, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and so I was like, cool, I, you know, because I, I, you know, I love music, I'm right. not partial to any particular style of, you know, of jazz, I love jazz, I love music, you know, so uh, that's kind of how that record came about, man, and um, it was really interesting because I can remember that they had needed the record pretty quickly, like they needed that record in less than a month, you know, recorded and mastered, I mean, the whole deal. And I can remember, man, woo, it was rough. I did, I, I was doing like maybe 48 hours at a time and then take an eight-hour nap and go back at it, you know, to finish yeah. the record. Yeah, But, absolutely. you know, it doesn't sound rushed, and that's what I'm happy about, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've, and a lot of people love it, you know, at, you know, for what it is. I wanted to do a record that, that is not, hey, look at me, listen to me play drums, listen to me right. play bass. Right, right. You know, I wanted, I, you know, I wanted people to hear it and say, you know what, that's a nice song. Well, did you, you know, first. who did you incorporate, you know, as the musicians on that album? Did you, I know you, did you lay down the bass tracks for that as well? Yeah, I did a good bit of bass work on there. I brought okay. in a couple of friends okay. as well, but, you know, I, I did a good bit of the bass work on there. I did a good bit of the keyboards. He had a good horn player. He was good. Yeah, I used uh, uh, this guy, Kevin Levi from D.C., man, okay. a good friend of mine. And, and I used this, uh, another friend of mine, uh, Brian Mills, you know. All of these guys, I mean, killer musicians that are sure. out of the D.C. area. Yeah, sure. You know, and um, um, to play along, you know, and uh, I use David I'm David Dyson on bass, who's, a, you know, I, man, one of my favorites, David Dyson, and sure. also Lorenzo Sands, and, you know, just all friends, you know, just all friends, Alan Johnson, we went to school together, and he's a, you know, he's a, actually a killer uh, traditional jazz player, and actually, you know, on the record, you can really hear him burn. I mean, he's really... Yeah. He's doing it, you know. Yeah. Well, it's a great album. Eddie and I had a uh, Eddie and I've uh, listened to uh, all the tracks in there, and we really enjoyed it. And and you can pick that up for the people listening that want to uh, pick this up. Uh, you can get it on iTunes. You can yeah. also get it at CD Baby. And again, it's uh, Eric Valentine's Jazz Impressions. And and why don't we finally take a short break here and listen to a track from this album, which was released back in two thousand three. Uh, this is a track called Ninety Five South.
And that was the track called 95 South from the album Eric Valentine's Jazz Impressions. And uh, hey, Eric, you know, before we actually uh, dove into that song, we started to talk a little bit about a new project that you have in the works. Yeah, I'm working on a couple of projects, man. Actually, uh, one project that I, that's coming out was, uh, it's going to be more about, I'm going to dig in a little more as far as, you know, drums and, and my bass playing. It's still going to be great songs, great melodies. But yeah, no, there's going to be some serious drum solos. Um, <laughs> you know, it's going <laughs> to be, right. <laughs> you know, we, we're going we're gonna to play. Okay. And, that's uh, cool. Um, and I actually had done that record. Uh, I had started working on it prior to the Jazz Impressions record. Oh, really? Yeah. But yeah, I, there was a key element missing for me to finish the record. Money. <laughs> you know what? I had a feeling you were going to say that. I had a feeling that was coming. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. So uh, that record had to sit for a little bit, but I had some friends who, you know, my friend uh, Brad Bearwell out of D.C., man, he has a, a studio out there, and he, he was really instrumental in helping me, and he taught me so much about the, uh, you know, about recording, you know, properly and all that. So, you know... That record is going to be great, man. I I, I believe you guys have maybe a, a, a maybe a, a snippet of it. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, but that record is going to be pretty serious, man. I'm really excited to um, to get that done. And then you know I'm doing another record, man. You know I I have a lot of um, friends who just want to hear some good, relaxing, cool tunes. Yeah. You know, no bells and whistles. Right. You know, most people spend a lot of time behind a desk. Yeah. And they want to hear some nice tunes. And I'm like, okay, let me do this for you. It's going to be cool. I'm, you know, I want to have some friends come in, you know, from this, from, it'll be more of a smooth jazz record, I think, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, I'm going to have some of my friends, you know, artists come in and, and uh, play on it. And I think it's going to be nice. I mean, because, you know, the thing that I look for is that, you know, when, when my song goes off, that you're still humming my melody or something. Yeah. From it. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what that record does. You know, the people who have heard demos and things of that sort. Right. So I just want to accommodate people, because not everybody wants to hear, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but those who do, we can accommodate you. <laughs> <laughs> Music for everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. There you go. You know. <laughs> well, Eric has been uh, kind enough to allow us to play a track or a sample here of one of his more recent compositions. This is a track called Over Mama Nim's House.
And that was a new track called Over Mama Nim's House from a future release from our guest today, Eric Valentine. Yeah, that's cool. Well, let's, uh, I want to quickly get back to uh, chatting real quickly about your current gig with Steve Lukather. And, and, you know, you toured with him extensively in 2008 and early 2009, and I know he has more shows coming up this summer. And uh, how has the overall experience been working with Luke? Man, it's 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 been. Was that a loaded question? (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I mean, man, where do I begin? I mean, so many different levels. (laughs) But no, man, you know, I can just remember just a a memorable experience for me was the first day of rehearsing. Mm -hmm. Um, We go in. And we're, everybody's kind of tweaking their gear out. Dude, 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 we haven't played any songs. We don't know, you know, mm-hmm. we don't know what what anything's going to sound like. And Luke grabs his, his guitar and goes, yeah. and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> it's going to be serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know? No I, you know, I knew about Luke, but not to the degree that I should have known about him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, as soon as he grabs his guitar and starts playing, you say, okay, that's a legend there. Okay, right, I understand. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so that was, you know, I mean, but just, the, you know, I'm, I've learned so much about music, man. I mean, we'd be on a tour bus, man, listening to some Steeler Dan or whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know, something he played on. He's giving us all this information, all these great stories, man, all this history. Uh-huh. Um, and he's, I mean, and more than that, I mean, he's a killer musician, but more than that, he's a great guy. Yeah, true. You know? And so the, the vibe is always cool, you know, it's, it's always... Um, he has a very giving spirit that's really cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I and I love that man. And 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 the music is burning. And and it shows on stage. I mean, when we play on stage, you can tell that we're really and we're not faking having a good time. We're really having a good time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, you know? and like you said a second ago, you know, the moment he picks up a guitar and he you know throws a lick down, it's like he you've, he's got your attention. You know, I mean, he, there's no way you can look past that because it's just he, he just commands <laughs> attention instantly with his playing. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, just you know, so much respect, you know, to Luke, and um, I really appreciate him, man. And and I really look forward to uh, you know work working with him real soon. We we go uh, we go back to Europe in and uh, less than a month now. Yeah. So. You know, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. You know, he's worked with so many amazing musicians over the past, uh, and and you know, he's formed so many relationships with some of the best players in the world. And you know, you you got to feel like you're an amazing company there, right? Oh man, yeah, dude. I mean, you know, it's 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 just it's it's. I can't say anything about it. I'm mean, I'm trying to come up with with a word, and it's not coming out. <laughs> like, dude, it's 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 incredible. Um, well, that that leads me to my next question, though, and, and that's how did how did you and uh, Luke hook up, and and what was it about uh, Eric Valentine that landed you this gig? Well, you know, um, once again, it, it was about relationships. You know, Steve, you know, Steve Weigard is is it, you know the MD, mm-hmm. and so Luke asked uh, Steve to put a band together, right? And um, you know, and. He put the band together, and you know we came in there knowing the music well. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, right. and and it was no, you know, and it, and that's another thing I really appreciated, and it and it shows just the level of commitment to excellence between everybody in the band. You know, we were speaking about Carlitos and and, and Steve, and we came in knowing that music, man, knowing the parts, right? You know, and we didn't have a lot of conversation about, hey, man, you know, you're playing that groove wrong. Or you're playing, is that bass line right? You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, we didn't have a lot of conversation about it. It was more so, okay, let's put this show together. Right. You know, and so it was really cool, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, you know, I mentioned this to Steve Weingart in our interview with him, but one of the highlights during Luke's show is uh, your duet between you and Steve Weingart. And tell us your thoughts about how that piece came together, and are you guys going to do that again on this next leg of the tour? We're going to do something. Yeah. Um, the, we're going to do. Steve and I are going to do something. It'll be different. We we think it's time to do something different. Uh-huh. Um, but initially, what was supposed to happen was that that was supposed to be a moment for Steve to take a solo. Mm-hmm. And if you go and see the show, you see that everybody leaves that stage but me. 
Right. I don't get a break. And that was supposed <laughs> to be my moment for a break. <laughs> now you're earning Thank your money. Steve. I hope he listens to it. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So, but, it's all, but it's all good, you know. Right. But yeah, man, that was what was supposed to happen, but it just evolved into something else, man. And, it, you know, and we really, <laughs> at the end of it, we really had something pretty serious. That's cool. That's <laughs> you know? cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're going to do something, you know, different this time, but we definitely will be doing some sort of... Uh, you know, duet. Well, cool. Well, Eric, we really thank you for uh, spending time with us here today and, and, and enlightening us on your career. And, and uh, Definitely. And uh, we wish you luck in the future. And, and please stay in touch with us because we want to follow up uh, with you somewhere down the road with your, um, with, you know, your new upcoming uh, solo project. And no doubt. Well, I definitely appreciate you guys, and um, you're doing great work. And thanks for um, finding something I'm doing that was kind of cool and, and asking me to do, do this. No, no definitely. No, we're really pleased to have you on the show, and no, I, I no. know we've actually had uh, several requests from uh, from listeners to, to have you on. So this has been perfect. Yeah, exactly. Cool, cool, cool. All right. And I'm not the Eric Valentine yeah. from. Uh, I know that. Smash mouth. <laughs> You're not Smash Mouth Eric. Okay, I found out. Okay, I'm not that guy. I mean, dude, I, I, you know, we had a couple of. I can remember some gigs, man, where people would bring CDs to me and say, "Can you sign this?" I'm like. You know, I really could be that guy, but I'm I'm just going to say it's not me. That's too funny. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. That's you know. so funny. <laughs> anyway, it's all good. Hey, thanks for being with us, okay? All right, fellas. All right, thanks. Thanks, Eric. Special thanks to Eric Valentine for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. For more information about Inside Music Cast, check out our website at InsideMusicCast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and MySpace. We'd love to hear from you, and we always take our listeners' input and suggestions into consideration. So drop us an email anytime at input at InsideMusicCast.com. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside Music Cast. Thank you.